Hello there, you're listening to Miradas. My name is Laurie Blair, and my guest today is Her Majesty's Man in the Argentine Republic, otherwise known as Argentina. He was previously the UK's ambassador to Thailand and Vietnam, as well as serving in the British embassies in Mexico City and Brasilia. Now, it's a tough gig being the chief Inglés in Argentina, but Mark Kent, I think it's fair to say, has made a positive impression, in particular on Twitter, where he can be found cracking jokes, bantering about the football, uh, and searching out common ground between historical rivals. In our conversation, which was recorded a while back uh, in July 2020, we talked about the embassy's work during the pandemic in evacuating British nationals across the length and breadth of Argentina, including some uh, on horseback. We discussed whether post-Brexit Britain is really likely to find many new economic and political relationships in Latin America. Uh, And I asked him how Britain's stated priority of helping to fight climate change overseas can be reconciled with the somewhat cosy relationship between the UK Foreign Office and fossil fuel companies like BP and Shell. Mark also talked about putting politics to one side over the Falkland Islands, which are claimed by Argentina as Las Malvinas, uh, and helping uh, Argentinian families identify the remains of their loved ones lost in the 1982 conflict. Uh, We're very grateful to Mark for his time uh, and his openness. We hope you enjoy listening. Okay, so we're very pleased to be joined now uh, on Miradas by the British ambassador to Argentina, Mark Kent. Mark, thanks so much for for, for joining us. Um, I think I'm right in saying that this month, July 2020, uh, marks four years since you arrived in in Buenos Aires. Is is that right? Yeah, that's right. I in fact got here in um, in in June, but I spent some time in in Mendoza doing brushing up on my Spanish. So oh, I actually okay. took up the job in, in July 2016. Wow. I mean, obviously, it's a, it's a difficult moment to be to be sort of celebrating right now. I mean, Argentina is, I understand it, you know, in a stricter lockdown than, than, than let's say, neighbouring Brazil. Um, what's your experience been of the past you know, few months? How, how has lockdown been for you? I mean, uh, I think jobs have changed a lot over the past say 10 years but when you look back over the past just the past four months has been a big a big change in, in in how we do things so uh in in the middle of uh, march when uh, coronavirus first arrived here i was about to go off on on holiday in in, in argentina with some friends visiting from the uk mm. um two days later uh, the the country would the, the government put the country in, in lockdown for understandable reasons to slow the spread uh, and from that moment our job in the embassy uh, changed so so we dropped all our existing work and we focused on basically providing the assistance to those Brits who were stranded in in, in Argentina um, and as as you know uh, Argentina is the eighth biggest um, country in the world by area. Um, we don't necessarily get a, a lot of Brit- British tourists, not compared, for example, with Thailand, where I was ambassador before, where we get a million a year. We probably get about uh, just over 100,000, mm. but they go out all over the country, you know, from uh, from from Patagonia to up to the the, uh, the, the, the waterfalls at Iguazu, into the desert in, in, in Salta. So our job was to find out where these, these British uh, visitors were 
and then to give them assistance to, to help get get back home. And the, we, in, in the Foreign Office, when I, when I first started as in, in an embassy, there was a system whereby people were asked to register when they visited a country, register with the embassy. And of course, that, that doesn't work anymore now. So what we had to do was find other ways. Um, immigration records helped to a certain extent, and the immigration authorities were very, were very helpful. But really what, um, what helped most in those initial phases was social media. Uh, getting out the message to people to get in touch with us, and then our, our small our small team basically worked through identifying wherever it was. Uh, initially, um, uh, we we were signposting people uh, to, uh, flights to go to go home. Eventually, commercial flights um, dried up, and then we we organised um, quite a big logistical operation for two special flights to get um, to get Brits back home. Wow, I mean, that's such a huge operation to be doing that. I mean, that's something which, you know, it almost calls to mind Victorian, you know, 19th century sort of uh, diplomacy of that idea of pulling out Brits from abroad. I mean, that, that must have been a huge challenge, sort of kind of almost learning on the job in terms of how to, you know, pull off a kind of a mass repatriation exercise of, of, of that scale. Yeah, and, and, and this was happening in various countries all over the world. And, of course, my European and other colleagues here were doing exactly the same thing. But it, you do require a certain skill set, which doesn't always come naturally to, uh, to, to, to diplomats. It's something very different, big logistics. And I'm very proud of the way that the team stepped up. And you see that a range of skill sets there. So we, luckily that our, our defence attaches an RAF uh, group captain who's a logistics planner. So that really did help. Mm. But when you look at the, 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 the challenges we had, it uh, wasn't just to arrange the flights. It was to get people in from across the country into Buenos Aires so they could then fly off. And this with a lot of um, restrictions on movement because of the, the coronavirus lockdown and a lot of permits we had to, we had to find. So uh, we organised eight bus routes, which uh, I think I, I recall is for a, a total of about 7,000 miles, which is the same as... Um, basically flying from from Buenos Aires back to back to London yeah. and there were some great stories I mean people were very resilient uh, we had one 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 girl who uh, who had to go by horseback uh, four hours to get to the nearest road and then to get uh, a taxi for eight hours across various provinces and then uh, to join up with a bus uh, wow. which was going back and and this was at the beginning of May and we, we had the, the key the key day uh, was the, the 5th and 6th of May, and that night we had to get people, everybody there together, to get back to, 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 fly, to fly back to, to the UK. Um, that, uh, that was because, because of the strict lockdown rules, people could not spend more than 24 hours in Buenos Aires before catching their plane. So, uh, yeah, it was, it, was quite a, it was quite a feat that the, that the team did. And um, as I say, this is replicated in other countries across the world, and my, my colleagues from other embassies were doing the same thing. So we all collectively changed our, our focus and changed the way we work. So we're, everyone was doing this just about from their front rooms. Mm. Uh, so we, we came across new ways of working, as other people have, uh, I'm sure, been doing. So with using uh, virtual meetings, um, and um, uh, I'm I'm lucky in a way that I am um, I, I live in 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 the embassy in the so there's a the embassy uh, a big garden and then my house. So I could come into the office when when that was needed and that was useful. 
Yeah, I mean that that that, that sort of brings me on to my next kind of uh, question, really. Um, I think it's fair to say that you you know you've you've made a big splash in Argentina in terms of your your social media presence. You're 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 very active on 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 Twitter in particular, and and you know I think for those of us who who work in and around and on the region, you know. Uh, you're kind of a familiar fixture and you'll be there sharing jokes and interesting kind of uh, anecdotes and, you know, banter about football and that sort of stuff. And my sense is that on the whole, um, um, the, the response is quite positive and, and people quite enjoy seeing a, a, kind of, a kind of human face of, of, um, of British diplomacy. I, I kind of wondered, you know, what, what your, your way into, into that was, and, you know, is, is that something which, the FCO, the Foreign Commonwealth Office, to give it its full title, is instructing diplomats to do, or is that something that you can sort of, you know, do on the hoof? Um, and and I sort of wonder what your highlights of that kind of engagement, that direct engagement with with you know everyday Argentines has been, and and maybe what are some of the kind of challenges and and uh, pitfalls that that they're involved in that in that you know ongoing social media discussion? Yeah, I mean. I think one of the things that has changed my job the most and, and di- diplomatic jobs the most over the past few years is the introduction of social media. Um, you think when, when I started uh, as, a, as, a, as a young diplomat in, in 1987, it was still a fairly traditional uh, role of basically um, uh, the, the embassies contacting the foreign ministries and there weren't many other actors. And, and that has sort of exploded with social media. So people can have direct um, uh, direct contact with their representatives, with, with embassies, with, with politicians. And I think that's changed expectations as well. So mm-hmm. people don't want to see um, uh, civil servants who are very distant or faceless. They want, to, they want to interact and they want to participate in, in what's going on. So I think something like Twitter really um, opens, opens up a lot of possibilities there. And in Argentina, um, I, I came here, as I mentioned, from, from Thailand. Uh, but Argentina, people are very direct, as you know. So they, they're very happy to share their opinions. Um, they're very happy to interchange with you. And, and they have a, a very similar um, dry, acid sense of humour to, to the Brits. Mm. So there's been, some, um, you know, there's been some great interactions with them. And as you say, it's, on the whole, it's been, it's been very positive. Um, I think we always have to bear in mind the circumstances and during um, during the pandemic obviously everybody everywhere was feeling uh, more fragile there was more emotions out there on the on on the internet um, and I think we have to bear that in mind when we're when we're interacting and always try to push people uh, towards the, the, the good emotions and not by your interactions try and cause more stress or concern mm. in, in fact in my, in my job it was it was there to try and provide more more certainty and reassurance for British um, British people who are here that we were that we were doing things. I also think that uh, one of the things I've learned over the past four uh, four years is the importance of stories. You see some great stories out there. I mean, just this weekend we saw uh, Marcelo Bielsa uh, and his Leeds uh, team made champions and going up to the Premier League. And as you know, Marcelo is is one of the most famous Argentine yeah. uh, football managers and leads with with a story of a, a, a great club which had fallen on hard times, pictures of, of kids crying and, and now that same kid who's uh, in his 20s is, is, is smiling and looking forward to going back. Um, these are great stories for creating positive 
um, emotions, empathy, and reminding us all of the, hu the, the human side. So it's not just the Argentines and, and the Brits. It's, it's personal experiences, personal stories. And you see, for example, the, the, the scenes in, in Leeds when, uh, when the neighbours were going round to uh, Marcelo's house. It, was, it actually made me, made me quite emotional because I, I come from, from that part of the world as well. So uh, I, I would do that without having, um, you know, tell those kind of stories without it necessarily being part of my job because I think it's, it's something that's very important in terms of building empathy and empathy is very important in, in my line of work. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, those, those those videos of, of Bielsa sort of yeah, you know, embracing fans and getting out of his car to to meet them, I think are really um, really striking. And 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 you know, I think it's really positive to have you know uh, striking, um, successful, um, positive Latin American figures in in UK popular culture. I mean, you know, obviously, you know. British foreign uh, foreign relations, foreign policy is in a, a state of flux at the moment. You've worked, as I understand it, in, Brit in the British embassies in, in Brasilia and in Mexico City previously. Um, I, I kind of wondered if you could give us some insight into how British policy towards Latin America is is changing right now, especially you know post Brexit. Um, uh, you know, w what are the kind of what's the sort of direction of travel, and what are the areas that you, that, that you know you're hoping to sort of you and your colleagues are hoping to work on. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously Latin America is a, a big area, but I think there are some some commonalities in, in the approach. First of all, everything's going to be seen through the, the post-COVID um, prism. And COVID um, work, for example, on uh, looking for uh, a vaccine, uh, where we've had good news today from uh, the Oxford University trials, which are being trialled in, in Brazil. Um, the UK has been organising uh, a lot of work more generally uh, about collaboration to, to find a vaccine and to uh, to to stop the spread of of the coronavirus and that for that is international collaboration is absolutely essential and we need to ensure that it, any vaccine uh, is is made um, available uh, to all countries mm. and to everybody equally within within those countries otherwise we're not going to get um, get rid of um, the, the the current pandemic I think another area will be um, trade. Um, there's a natural tendency in the, in the pandemic for us to close close borders, but we have to ensure when we when we grow back that um, we can still can trade uh, because that's going to be vital. Uh, and so organisations like the the World Trade Organisation will be important, but also as well with the UK uh, now having left the, the the European Union, we'll be putting forward important free trade agenda, and that will include the countries of um, of, of Latin America. Uh, where we have potentially a big markets and, and complementary uh, economies. So that, that's another area we'll be looking at. Another area where Latin America can play an important part is climate change. The UK is going to be hosting the, the Climate Change Summit, COP26, uh, in November next year. And we, one of the things we want to really focus on is how we can countries throughout the world can grow back greener. Um, in other words, um, not add to carbon emissions in an attempt to get their economies back on back on track. So we want to find ways of, of, of green growth. And you look at um, Latin America, um, Brazil, Argentina, uh, they've got a lot of natural resources and they've also got um, uh, a lot of uh, production of agriculture, for example, energy. And so we want to exchange with them ways of, uh, of economic growth, uh, which won't add to um, 
environmental damage or, or to climate change. So that'll, that'll be an important area. Yeah. Another area that we, we want to focus on is, is, is global values. Um, so human rights um, and uh, uh, areas, for example, where at the moment we are chairing uh, an organisation called the Equal Rights Coalition, which is an organisation to um, protect LGBT rights. And we're co-chairing co that with Argentina. And Argentina's got uh, on human rights a very similar record to us. Uh, so we want to work with them on some of these other sort of global global challenges that we've uh, we're going to be faced um, in 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 the post um, post pandemic age. So, so there's just a few of a few of the areas. Yeah, I mean that that that's really interesting to hear those those three priorities. You know, trade, climate change, and and, and values. Um, I mean, I, I I want to kind of press you a little bit on on each of the each of those in turn. I mean, you know, as as you'll know better than me, about ten years ago. Then Foreign Secretary William Hague said Britain's retreat from Latin America is over. We're going to sort of really embrace uh, Latin American trade and investment. Uh, he launched the so-called Canning Agenda. Um, and that sort of harks back to the age in sort of, you know, 1808, when apparently 40 percent of British exports were going to Latin America. So there, there, so there was a very strong history there of, of, of trade. But in the past decade, since this big reset, um, as I understand it, Latin America's exports and imports to Britain have sort of have actually fallen. You know, they've fallen to below one percent from you know slightly larger levels ten years ago. So, so given that there's already been this big kind of push towards you know increasing the the, the trading relationship and it hasn't really yielded much much results. You know, Germany trades more with with Latin America in terms of exports, in terms of goods exports. I should clarify. Um, you know, is there really room to to sort of to sort of increase that trading relationship without um, you know, sacrificing, uh, let's say, standards or, or without sort of, you know, cutting deals that aren't going to work for both sides. Yeah, I think I think there actually is there are quite a few areas, and I think Argentina is a good example of, of a lot of things you were, you were talking about. So traditionally, we had a very strong trading relationship with Argentina. Um, that's how we came to build the railway system, which enabled it to really to start exporting um, and. Uh, to, to to Europe, uh, and as you, as you know, it was one of the, the biggest economies in in the world uh, about a mm. hundred years ago. So um, we've got that experience. Uh, we're also looking at uh, quite a few new areas um, where we can where we can work together and boosting uh, boosting trade and investment. One area is startups. Um, the the potential which Argentina has for startups on things like fintech. Um, and, and various other creative and innovative solutions is very high. Uh, we are working with with them and with British startup incubators to bring more Argentine um, startups to to the UK, which will enable them to have a more global presence and also creates jobs in the UK. And 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 as in my view, and I think most other people's views, that job creation is going to come from areas like this with with um, with SMEs, small and medium enterprises, rather than necessary. Big, big factories mm. which will bring lots of jobs because they're, they're increasingly automated. Um, other areas, for example, going in the opposite direction uh, is um, the, the great success which Argentina's had with, um, uh, with its wine exports. And um, if you go to any supermarket shelf now, you'll see at least three or four different types of, of Malbec. We're the second biggest market for Argentine wine exports in the world. So we want to see if we can build on this in other areas. And going back to what I was saying about climate change, work out how we can uh, help Argentine agricultural exports, such as um, olive oil, to, to come onto British supermarket shelves 
um, at the same time adding value for sustainably produced um, products. So, you know, or, or organic or, mm. or traceable products. I think that's important. The other factor that's going to be different is that we're now no longer part of the European Union. So we will be a more attractive market. We'll be able to set our own tariffs on, on, olive, on olive oil, which is a good example. Uh, we don't, at the moment, um, produce any, any olive oil in the, in, in the UK, which means we will be able to uh, be a more attractive uh, prospect for the for, for the producers here. Sure. Well, that, that, that that's interesting. Interesting to hear. You know, it's these it's services and some of these sort of more uh, niche products and sort of you know specialized products, which which are the kind of growth areas. Um, you know, you, you mentioned climate change there, and 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 that's a priority which which the UK government is trying to work towards internationally. Um, you know, I kind of wonder. You know, that there was some reporting last year in the Guardian that that you know. Uh, I think it's uh, UK, the UK um, Export Export Finance Agency was sort of, you know, um, sort of having discussions at least with with Argentine um, fossil, for, uh, well, Argentina-based fossil fuel companies. Um, you know, obviously the Vaca Muerta fields are the big the big sort of concern there. Um, you know, and and, and the reporting was that also there have been meetings between you know the, the British Embassy and and some of those kind of oil companies. I kind of wonder, sort of, you know, is is there a difficulty or a tension there between you know trying to promote climate change and and sort of you know managing these big important existing kind of uh you know yeah fossil fuel, fossil fuel companies you know how does that how does that sort of balance and how does that relationship play out well i mean we we have there's a number of energy companies present in in argentina and of course we have contact with with british companies but it's about it's about the the, the agenda is about one of transition to new to new energy models, and if you take the the Vacamuerta example, um, if the the potential for Vacamuerta post uh, post COVID is very different from that before it. Yeah. So this will make um, will make renewables far more far more attractive. The economics have to have to have to come together, and I think there's a realization of that among the the energy companies and also uh, in in the Argentine government that. Post-COVID is going to look very different from pre-COVID. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the the, the picture there has has changed um, uh, dramatically, and and you know, there's been evidence perhaps of what governments can achieve in terms of sort of you know putting money in 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 the right places, and as you say, building back greener. Um, and 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 you mentioned also their sort of um, shared values, and I think one of the the um, achievements which. Uh, UK diplomacy has brokered with Argentina in the past couple of years um, was that very moving visit of, of um, I think some some ninety families Ar- Argentinian families to to Darwin in the in the in the Falkland, Falkland Islands uh, two years ago to to visit um, the remains of their of their loved ones which have been identified by a sort of joint international commission. I kind of wondered if you could you know tell us a bit a bit more about that and and you know whether you think that sort of avenue of, of you know, shared commemoration, um, you know, shared re- sort of respect in that, in the context of that conflict it is a sort of, um, you know, a, 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 a sort of positive avenue to follow in, in UK-Argentina relations. Yeah, yeah, well, it's hugely important, absolutely hugely important. One of the, the most important things I've, I've done, and I learned a lot doing that, um, first of all, that you have to separate out humanitarian issues from political issues. So these families, when you sat down with them, you'd see parents of in their 80s 
who would say, I want to go and see my son for the last time. And it became clear that this, this shouldn't be anything we should be negotiating on uh, with, with Argentina. It's something we should be collaborating with them on and doing everything we can to facilitate it. And so we worked with the, with the international community of the Red Cross, worked with the people in the Falkland Islands, every working together to make this happen. First of all, the Red Cross um, went out uh, with, with a mission comprising various nationalities, including Argentine uh, forensic scientists and, and British forensic scientists. And, and they were successful in uh, identifying, I think up to the moment, 115 out of the 121 uh, tombs there who previously had just been uh, in, in, in graves entitled uh, soldier, Argentine soldier known only, only to God. So we had the identification, but then it was clear that that wasn't enough. We had to organize to get the, the, the families out there. And there were some very, as I say, some very fragile people uh, who, who, who wanted to make this trip. And the emotional uh, effect of the story was, uh, was, was incredible. I mean, it was the right thing to do uh, but it also had the secondary effect of bringing our two our two countries closer together, showing that we've got um, shared values. Uh, uh, there were some individual uh, roles which were very important. So um, the Families Commission uh, of, of, of the relatives of those who died, um, they worked very closely with us. Uh, Eduardo Nekian from Aeropuertos 2000 uh, helped us um, uh, help finance the operation. Uh, Colonel Jeffrey Cardozo, uh, who was uh, was the person who set up the original cemetery in 1983, came and took part in in that trip. Um, Julio Arrow, who had done a lot of work through a lot of very difficult years to try and persuade both governments that this was the right thing to do. Julio's a veteran from the 1982 conflict, so so it was a huge feeling when when this all worked without a without a hitch uh, and it was politically and logistically very uh, very complex it was a huge feeling of um, of achievement and that would help to, to would help to bring people closer together and that we've done the right thing yeah I mean that that, that sounds like a like a really um, moving experience to, 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 to sort of participate in, and, and indeed to set up I mean I've when I was Argentina a couple of years ago I did, did some reporting on you know, meeting with some of the veterans, the Argentine veterans from that conflict, and I was really struck by how similar um, a lot of their experiences post-conflict have, have been um, with British veterans, you know, often that sense of a degree of neglect and, and homelessness and mental illness are kind of common on, on both sides there. Um, and, and one thing that struck me, though, is that despite, all, you know, the, the, the kind of horrors of that conflict, you know, 35 years ago, they were still very, you know, firm and very insistent that, that you know, it had been... Um, you know, a, a, a sort of, or, the, or, the, or rather, the Argentina's kind of uh, claim to the islands was as strong as ever, and, and one which the government should still pursue. And it seems as though the past couple of years there was a bit of a thaw on that front with the Macri government. You know, they seem to sort of let it, let Argentina's claim slide, slide a little bit. Um, it seems as though in the past couple of months with the new Fernandez administration that 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 the pressure is going up a little bit again. I kind of wonder, you know. Do you, do you see that theme, that topic becoming um, more of an issue over the next couple of years, or or is it sort of one of those things that's always in the background, but but you know ultimately the positions don't don't really change that much. 
Yeah, I mean, I think if you, you look, we've we've got areas where we agree, areas where we where we disagree. And one of the areas where we we disagree is over the question of sovereignty and, and the right to self determination. And that is in uh, the Argentines have put that in their constitution. And um, obviously, different governments will 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 take different different actions. But but fundamentally, that that part is is uh, is recognised as where we we have differences our main main differences over over sovereignty mm-hmm. but then you look at all the other areas and as you said um uh, the veterans the veterans have got a lot of shared experiences on both sides and and actually come come together and and exchange experiences we've done some work with british military doctors uh, here in argentina to to exchange experiences on post traumatic stress uh, disorder um, we're going to look at other other areas where we can we can carry on working, such as the the, the humanitarian project. So there's always going to be work and and, and interchange um, for for you know mutual mutual benefit. But you know we have to recognise what we can uh, what we can change and recognise where we we can't change positions. That that that, that makes sense. Um... Uh, and you know, you, you mentioned um, that, that before the before the poor lockdown, before the sort of pandemic really really hit the region, you were you were planning on a big big road trip with some some friends from the UK, and you were planning on on seeing showing them um, the country. You know, what, what what were you kind of most looking forward to to showing them to showing off about about Argentina? The thing is, with Argentina being such a, a big and diverse country. Con- country you've got so many different experiences that you you can have so uh, you can go down to the the, the glaciers in Tierra del Fuego see the penguins um, you can uh, you can go uh, up to Misiones for the Foz de Guasú uh, you can go to Mendoza for the be in, in the in, in in the shadow of the Andes and have some very nice wine Salta um, there's there's lots of places my experience uh, when I've got visitors coming from the UK is un- unless they're staying for a month or more, they have to make uh, a few strategic decisions about, for example, whether you go up up north uh, and do a circuit up there, or whether you go down more to the south to Patagonia and see some of the uh, some of the attractions there. Yeah, it, it, it's 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 really difficult. You know, it, I I always tell people that that you know, I mean, I, I've been 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 quite a few times now, and and um, it's 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 a continent-sized country similar to Brazil, and and. Uh, for personally, for me, the north, the north, the northwest, I suppose, Salta, Jujuy, Catamarca, are just incredible. You know, Andean scenery, uh, indigenous cultures, which are still very strong there. Um, it, that that part of the country is really remarkable. I mean, do you, do you have a favourite um, favourite kind of place, uh, um, or is it indeed you know Buenos Aires? Well, I, I like living in living in Buenos Aires, especially where I live is, is, is fantastic yeah. but there's so many different places out there so I'm going to be diplomatic and, and not and not choose one but I just <laughs> want to take you up on, on one thing that you mentioned which I think you're absolutely right the size of the country um, means that people have a different concept of space and time so if you go to the UK and say let's go let's go spend a week um, up in uh, up, say let's say a week up in the in the Scottish Highlands it's a, it's a 12 hour journey or whatever most people say oh no i'm not gonna do that that's, that's, that's far too far but in argentina the concept of a 12-hour bus journey is quite common mm. uh, as as we saw when we, we did our repatriation so people have a, this different different concept about how far you can travel and i think that's really interesting we see that when when we get uh when we get our visitors coming from from europe that they kind of uh, are a little bit less keen on some of these very very long uh, journeys 
yeah absolutely i've taken a few of those you know, the long mendoza to buenos aires and then yeah from, i think from posadas up to salta once it took quite a while um and just and just finally you know a lot of our listeners are are are, are in the us or elsewhere in latin america and, and perhaps you know aren't really that familiar with 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 british diplomacy and 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 who are the kind of players uh, you know in, in the region i kind of wonder if if there are you know if you have colleagues elsewhere in 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 latin america whose whose work you think is particularly interesting or you know i mean I, i'm i've met matthew hedges who's uh, the british ambassador in, in in paraguay previously and he and he's i think has become very um uh popular with 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 many paraguayans you know who else do you you know um do you kind of see see uh, into your colleagues and and think you know i'm very, very impressed by by what they're up to <laughs> that's an that's another very dangerous yeah. question <laughs> <laughs> which of my colleagues do i i uh, admire and which do, do i do um, yeah Actually, uh, we've, we've got some very, uh, very experienced colleagues here in, in, in the region. I mean, I work very closely, as I said, with Matthew, who's uh, ambassador in Paraguay, with other colleagues in the Southern Cone, where we've, we've, we share projects. Um, obviously, Brazil is such a, such a big country, uh, and we have, uh, we have a network of several posts there. So not just the embassy in Brasilia, but Rio, Sao Paulo, Belo Horizonte. Um, Mexico as well, uh, an important country. And then a lot of the, the, we have embassies in, in just about every country in, in Latin America. So all of them have got a, uh, a role to play in some of our key core areas. I like was talking about trade and investment, consular assistance when we have tourists there getting into trouble. So um, I can't do much better than to diplomatically say I think the whole of the network has played a, a, a very important role and especially in the last few weeks of um, of the, the coronavirus yeah absolutely it's, I think it's, it's been a difficult time for for everyone but um, but uh, it's yeah it's been impressive to see how how you know people across the region have, have, have pulled together and um, you know uh, obviously as Latin America is faces a particularly difficult time right now um, we'll be keeping our, our kind of fingers crossed for um, that things improve quite soon. Um, well, uh, that's probably about all, all we've got time for. But um, uh, Mark Kent, thank you very much for your time and, um, and best of luck with your future endeavours in Argentina. Thanks very much, Laurie. Thank you. That was Mark Kent, the British ambassador to the Argentine Republic, who spoke to Laurie last year from Buenos Aires. We're hugely grateful to Mark for his time and insight, and to hear more about his work, you can follow him on Twitter at Kent Argentina. And to see more from Miradas, you can find us across social media at Miradas Pod. If you would like to get in touch about any issues our guests have raised, or for more information on ways in which you can support the podcast, our email address is info at miradaspodcast.com, and our website is www.miradaspodcast.com. As ever, we look forward to hearing from you, and next week we have an interview with literary translator Megan McDowell, in which we will be discussing the intricacies of the profession. So until then, thank you and goodbye. Goodbye.